0: Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan.
1: And Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution.
0: We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo.
1: Guests that help you think differently.
0: And nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You, authentic you. Jay Bryan is a human who is passionate about all that he is born to be passionate about and he knows how enormously lucky he is and with that luck incredibly grateful to be living with intention his ever evolving true self and true purpose through his natural gifts and dispositions and to know the social even moral responsibility that comes with that knowing and doing as being. Uh, since 2009, Brian has been uh, an evangelist for what a coming human singularity, uh, which he believes will unfold around 2050. Uh, prior to this, uh, Jay Brian predicted the emergence of social media, search engines, various emergent industries, as documented in the 1989 Vision of Visions titled GET The Vision or Global Evolutionary Technologies The Vision. Uh, Brian's innate matrix of gifts and dispositions, as it turns out, is to help others discover value consciously develop and live theirs and in parallel discover and live their purpose founded upon that ever evolving personal uniqueness and from this next generation of human experience begin to manifest the fullest positive synergistic connections with others to help procreate the blossoming of those waiting to thrive synergetics of humanity as a whole the human singularity wow what an intro welcome so much Jay brian to the show well thank you so much i can't believe i actually wrote that maybe i you know it's that's a that's bit
2: heavy fun. i think we need to go back and, and redo this podcast that's just too heavy even for me
0: <laughs> this is your chance to line up
2: yeah so okay let's let's, 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 let's kick off
0: with your uh, your work in um flotation tanks and working with elite athletes <laughs> now you got you realized that wasn't your true calling
2: yeah that that's that was a stepping stone for me um I was uh, doing my doctorate work in education and neuropsych at the time. I went to Stanford because I wanted to study under Professor Carl H. Prebram and those that know, know that he's the guy that through the lab work and through the data from the lab discovered that cortical areas of the brain, for instance, and the dendrites uh, create interference patterns. And in fact, it's an, it's an analog world. It's not synapses and zeros and ones and digital, it's analog. And uh, so I'm there and I'm interested in teaching, right? I want to enhance and accelerate human learning and development at the time. And so I realized the isolation tank was an interesting environment because the signal to noise ratio is incredible. The Mm -hmm. loudest thing in there is your heartbeat. I go, well, if I introduce information into a tank With someone that wants to learn a skill or a behavior or accelerate their existing level this would be a great place to introduce that data plus at the time i was working on a brain interactive training system you know and now as you know it's all the rage anyway so back to palo alto i opened up a business my second startup in my life uh, starting with the family business and so i had a room with a bunch of technology we had a sony betamax those who remember that we had an eight inch floppy mini drive in the closet. We had a gorgeous tank in a gorgeous, beautiful room. I could talk to you while you floated. So Teresa, for instance, you'd be in there, uh, totally naked, of course. And I'd say, hello, Teresa. How are you feeling?
1: <laughs> Floaty. That's what I would say. Yes, I yes.
2: <laughs> so yes, I feel, I'm feeling, do you have cameras in here? Tell me you don't have cameras. So <laughs> So 3,000 people later, uh, during that time, I realized I was working. I worked with the Dallas Cowboys. I worked with various baseball athletes from the Giants. At that time was Jeff Leonard, uh, Atlee Hammaker, and uh, Johnny LeMaster. This is the 80s, guys. So I also worked with Olympian athletes, uh, college athletes. And I realized, you know, these people, they kinda, they're kind of living their gifts because you don't get to this level uh, without having a, a very obvious, coherent set of Neurophysiological, biological, physical, and even cognitive and metacognitive gift sets. You're you're kind of you're kind of there. That's your path. And so, uh, being a son of a butcher from Chicago, uh, I'm kind of a blue collar guy, despite the Stanford thing. So I said, you know, I want to work with real people. And so, what's missing here? So I was developing role modeling videotapes, showing them to people in the tank. Uh, I was having them edit their own tapes, and I was having them edit tapes in a way that was different than the way they normally think of memory. Um, It was very easy for people when they looked at their videotapes of performance to find everything they did wrong. And then I would, after about 15 minutes of them looking through their tapes, doing what they would normally do in terms of our our learning paradigm, I said, well, I want want you to find everything that you did wonderfully well. I want you to find your best optimal memories because those are memories. And you may only do that one out of 10 times, but we can isolate that, find that memory and help you and saturate your brain with that memory and all the senses, mood, emotion, kinesthetic, tactile, internal, external visual. So I would take people through guided imagery using these edited down. I had a very specific algorithm for editing, which I haven't patented and I probably should. So Seven minutes later, your brain's been saturated in an isolation tank with your best performances. And what we found was being we accelerated the frequency of you being able to perform at that level sooner. So once you plateau, and Teresa, you know this, once you plateau at a certain level, of consistency. You want the highest level of consistency. And then all of a sudden your mind and body, it figures out what the next leap is going to be the aha that you have in performance and whether it's children or adults, it doesn't matter that consistency at that high level is what you need for your mind and body to leap. So 3000 clients later, I decide I want to help people focus on their innate gifts because this population I've been working with, they already know, or for the most part, they already know. Mm-hmm. I want to find the 99.98% of the humanity that doesn't know. There's no curriculum for this. Our curriculum is formal education is driven by the market and the market's changing so fast and the linguistics for the market is changing so fast that you can't build a taxonomy. Three-dimensional plus time taxonomy of human traits that is complex enough to get around the uniqueness of an individual. So after the tanks, that's where I went.
1: And is that when we bring ourselves into the space of human singularity, like that phrase in and of itself is such a curious phrase for me, how does that connect with the words true self, innate resonance?
2: It's all about synergy. The singularity is all about synergy and it's not static. It changes. So we go through relationships, right? We find different types of synergistic connections. We evolve. So this singularity is actually an evolutionary model. I use the toroid quite a bit, the donut shape, and I use the hyperboloid shape, which is kind of like the chalice, right? And the chalice and the donut are, are, are really one shape, but they're extremely dynamic. So if anyone ever looks at my work online and LinkedIn or whatever, you'll see I have a complex topological model that relates to the ask yourself, let go, aha, do it, be it, and flow linguistic model. Those phrases I've had for 37 years now as one system are tied to this complex topological ever-evolving representation of self and system of selves so I've waited a long long time guys it's been 37 years for me and only in 2010 did the phrase aha moment become part of the consumer lexicon Hmm. literally the switch was flipped in 2000 late 2009 and 10 some people used it in psychotherapy. Some master teachers would use it because they know about Carl Jung, right? But people just didn't use the word in public. It just didn't happen, okay? And now Coca-Cola's got an aha sparkling soda. <laughs> oh, you gotta laugh at that. I'm sorry. 30, 37 years later and Coke is finally on it. And Ask Yourself wasn't used in a consumer conscious presence until the Seinfeld show, right around Seinfeld, mm. the TV comedy, because they were saying, Jerry, you gotta ask yourself. I mean, no one said that out loud and now it's all over the place, right? So words reflect the edge of consciousness and evaluation. The human singularity for me is a counterbalance to all the conversations and all the work that people are focused on relative to the technological singularity. And I believe there's a counterbalance that needs to focus on the evolution of true self and uniqueness and its correlation to others to our connectivity to everyone on the planet, which will change, which is very dynamic, you know? And we're just getting to the point, the work we're doing with our startup is gonna create something that I hope will make that connectivity between two people, the evolution of gift-driven uniqueness and uh, sort of prescriptions for for synchronicity and serendipity. And well, not serendipity, it's a wrong word. I have to take serendipity out of my mind I just posted that on LinkedIn. There's a big difference. Uh, It's it's synchronicity, guys. It's not serendipity. Anyway, so the human singularity is basically a synergistic system of humanity, which we're kind of experiencing now, right? COVID's really pushed connectivity. And people are finding out what synergy looks like in different ways um, as we develop emotional awareness. And in ourselves, we're understanding that deeper meaning, you know, is possible between people. But then the most important thing is action. We have all these meetings, so what? It's I love so what, by the way. That's that's one of my favorite phrases, so what?
1: I used <laughs> to get spanked for that.
2: Well, that's a different way of our, that's a different positioning of the meaning.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the sass. With, with, with <laughs> yeah, I
2: <laughs> When I When I come up with a big idea, I say so what to
0: myself. Nice, yeah.
2: And I just keep saying it until I get down to the bottom where it's worth
0: something or not. Mm-hmm. awesome so we're recording this folks on the 22nd of december it's an auspicious time you know we've just passed through this uh, conjunction there's been yes. a lot of talk about changing consciousness we've been yes. shifting from you know an, an old control mindset uh consciousness based on you know fear and not enough this kind of idea inadequacy and we're, we're hopefully trying to co create this new um consciousness based on relationships so you talked about connectivity and i wanted to ask you about your your thoughts on that? Your experiences of that, and and, and how you see that moving on towards that twenty fifty date, which we've you know set in stone here at the beginning of this conversation.
2: I think, Rise, you and I are in full agreement. I'm sure Teresa's is on board. That true self, the evolution of true self. For me, it's it's based on innate disposition. So, you know, I I know, for instance, that I can run a forty yard dash when I was younger in four point six seconds, and I was never trained. I nice. just I just popped it off. But I know that I'll never be a high jumper ever no matter how hard I try, I will never be a high jumper. It's just not possible. And that's okay. We live in a world where we tell our children, and we still do this, you can be anything if you try hard enough. You can be what you're born to be if you try hard enough. So once we know our limits, and this applies to cognition, I mean, how well do you rotate complex three-dimensional objects in your head? Not. 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 And by the way, You can be trained. We can train you and you can have that skill, right? You can have that skill if we work hard enough at it, but you were not innately disposed to do that. I do not want to see neuroplasticity. I do not want to see uh, CRISPR get involved in gene editing before we get involved in our own evolution, right? Consciously. That scares the hell out of me, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right? So market driven changing of genes is a really powerful thing coming down. It's coming down from you know the old ways of of managing humanity, hierarchical command control systems. They they would love gene editing. <laughs> I mean, they would. I mean, yeah. Let's take let's do that human population. Let let's let's create them the way we need them to be. Any system that exists today that has power does not want us to self evolve. They'll let us kind of play with the notion. It's like you know, in Russia, they in other parts of the world, they let people riot a little bit, but they designed the riot the venting they actually designed the venting of populations because they knew they had to explode once in a while and then they shut them down and the same happens in corporate america there's a great deal of there's some people that are the stakeholder movement uh is happening in some enterprises we've actually seen it happening but as we know for the most part there's a lot of green greenwashing and self-evolution as a social movement moving towards this concept of of people understanding uniqueness which means their power when you know what you're born to do and you're consciously manifesting work and connections to other people that are synergistic human synergy when you know yourself is incredibly incredibly powerful and so few of us have experienced it when i do a workshop with adults i kind of create i design the workshop so i get certain questions to come at me i design it for the questions I'll get a guy in the audience, a parent saying, you know, Brian, we've heard blah, blah, blah about this and that. How do we as adults know what our gifts are? And I said, well, it's very simple. It's incredibly difficult for you to act upon, but it's very simple. Whatever frustrates you consistently about other people, those are your gifts.
1: Oh, my God. I used to say that all the time. (laughs) When, when, turns out I was a visionary. I'm just kidding. When I was annoyed with my mother. Why are you so annoyed with that part of your mom? And when I sat to explore it on my own and really asked myself the question, like, why am I actually annoyed by that? It turns out it's because I'm exactly the same way. So, what I see in her is reflected in something that I'm trying to change in me or don't particularly like about me, like a negative edge of a personality trait, for example. Super competitive (laughs) means I can leave people in the dust. Don't particularly like that edge of competitiveness, but I certainly thrive when I'm competitive.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Balancing balancing both sides of some of our traits and realizing that uh, maybe you can't have your cake and eat it too if you're going to live into the full potential of who you are.
2: Well, I, I had the same experience with my mother. It was a little bit different though. She would get frustrated with people and she was a genius and a visionary. I mean, she created the first wholesale to retail food stores in the US. It didn't exist. And she just had the idea. And when kids are in high school, all of a sudden moms can have a little time in their hands. Okay, and she was a teacher prior to this. And uh, she told my dad, who was cutting up half-cattles in the back, She says, Jack, I'm going to do something with the front of the store. And my dad was smart enough to know that he had a genius for a wife. And he said, yes, dear, what would you like to do? <laughs> so that was the beginning of Steaks and Stuff Frozen Foods, the first wholesale to retail food stores in the country. Costco didn't exist. Sam's Club didn't exist. Walmart didn't have coolers and freezers yet. My mother would get frustrated by people all the time. and I, and In my 20s, I kind of had my insights about my work right around that time i said mom you know you're unique don't you mm. no i'm not i'm irish i can't be unique <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious mm. you're growing up in a psycho cultural paradigm that if you think you're unique you're going to hell i mean it's that right. deeply ingrained yeah so i said no mom i said i said you're expecting people to be you and there's certain things you do at a level that most everybody cannot even come close to doing that can't be true, she'd say. Everyone's everyone can do what I do. Right, mom. So it took her almost 20 years to come back to me and say, you know, son, I think you were right. <laughs> I just had to let go of expecting other people to be able to do some of the things I did, but to find those that could complement me. Mm-hmm. So the complementarity part is the synergy.
1: Yeah.
2: When you know your when you know your gifts, you know your limits. When you know your limits, you know your compliments.
1: Brilliantly
0: said. I love that. Yeah, a nice dose of uh, Catholic humility always goes down well. Uh, yeah. um, I I want to, um...
1: Follow it with wine.
0: <laughs> yes, or again, it's yes. Yeah. You mentioned your workshops, you mentioned this idea of helping the average Joe find out what their their skills are. He tells a little bit, bit more about, you know, if, if someone wants to come and and, and work on that someone's intrigued by this someone thinks you know oh I, my my true self I, i've never even thought about that but jay brian mm-hmm. was really uh, excited something in me what is it you're doing right now this consultancy what you're talking about tell us a bit more about that how we can get get more involved.
2: well my my the, the the work we're doing as a startup is a technology-based work it's taking um the aha tracker which we i developed with the kids early on in 89 uh, it tracks human insight in context in real time And it tracks the highly contextualized information that caused you to have an aha moment. The flow tracker is a simple slide bar that says, you know, rise and Teresa and Brian talked for like an hour but to rise it felt like three days My God. So the flow tracker you slide this thing to give an impression of experienced or felt time. And that's a metric I've used since the 80s with the flotation tank. I always ask people, how long do you feel like you've been floating? Mm -hmm. And they'd say, it feels like a minute. Do I have to come out now? You know, it's that kind of stuff. So I've used that, and by the way, I've talked with Mahali Chitsamahaya, who's the father of flow, as you know. And he and I argued about the relationship between flow and aha moments back in 1984. I talked to him about nine months ago and we don't argue anymore. Anyway, and ask yourselves there, but the aha tracker, the flow tracker, and basically we're going to track Arthur Kessler's three biggies, aha, ha, 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 and ah, because every person in the world manifests those visceral sounds when they experience insight, laughter, or release. So uh, we're going to track all that highly contextualized data and give you your library of insights, but more importantly, we're going to connect that to everybody else on the planet. So when you clicked aha on this talk, for instance, it's gonna grab the sentence that was spoken, digitize that into text and see if anyone else in the world is having ahas about a similar sentence. That's the human singularity manifesting.
1: Now, does that come back to then a universal craving or universal need?
2: Oh God, yeah. If you you have gifts and you don't live them, you're dead meat. You know, uh, psychoneuroimmunology was this huge word that came out in the late 80s. Whenever you have that many syllables, you know something's not right but it was trying to integrate these worlds. Your gifts are pulsing. They are vibrating inside of you. you can, you're striving for resonance. Right? And when you don't live your gifts, you're living a lie and your body knows it, your immune system knows it. Some people can handle that kind of friction better than others. But if you already have a weak genetic immune system and you have a lot of, a lot of gifts, look at a lot of addicts. I know so many addicts in my life, independent of the substance or the psychology as an ad- addiction who are extremely bright people, but they didn't have a way to find a path that allowed them to manage purposefully that self, that energy. The addiction allowed them to just sort of stop dealing with that innate need to become their self. There's no curriculum. There's no role models. I mean, we're, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, there's not enough role models for sure. Way too many people not engaging with the fullest potential of the self. And so then we have part of what was our initial discussion, actually, in the LinkedIn post that we had put up, and you had responded with, can you imagine failing at engaging with the potential of your true self? Like, imagine yes. what that would be like to live. And in that's and why
2: engagement. that's what that's the greatest fear of all, right? That's yeah. why we I think we don't do it, because we don't have the guidance, which is why I wrote uh, the library of masters, which was an online video library of all these masters across all walks of life that children could experience and see if they resonated to what the masters were doing. Mm. So the Library of masters in 84, I realized we're gonna need this sometime in the future. We're gonna need role models that are accessible because most parents aren't living their gifts. They're good parents and we're surviving. We're paying the rent and the mortgage. And they got shoes in their feet and they're good people. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, you know, if, if, if the guy's an entrepreneur, maybe, right? But you know, dad's a plumber. His dad was a plumber. And listen, I've met master craftsmen. I love mastery in all forms. When I open up a circuit box and I see the wires mm-hmm. in that box perfectly, I actually stand back and go, "That's a thing, of beauty. Who did that?" <laughs> Seriously. Absolutely. So it's all it's all art, you know. And what's your what's
0: your art form, right? Yes. In a way it seems like what you're trying to create here is you're you're trying to be that mastery. You're trying to connect all those wires. You're trying to do all that stuff for people with you know your technology the 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 tools the downloads whatever it is you were doing so I, you mentioned that you went back to you worked with this the university students the elite athletes this this high school kids and all these kind of things and you're trying to help these people who haven't found their haven't connected to their true potential their true self um at a, you know our sort of age of life so i'm wondering how this would all work if you did it at an elementary sort of level how how could we do that too
2: well, oh come on rise you're gonna love this i'm in the, i'm in the i'm in the inner city of chicago And I spent six months once a week with seventh graders who could read in an average fourth grade level. I knew I could work with these kids versus the kids in the Northwest side, the the white kids, because the white kids are trying to be like the black kids in terms of identity, because the identity is an issue, right? I mean, every teenager wants to be something unique, but they don't want to be different. (laughs) So they're dealing with that angst, right? (laughs) I worked with these kids just on understanding if they could recognize an aha moment. So I have a piece of paper with different size pizzas from a slice to a family size. They started checking off the size ahas they were having just so we could get that. So we created songs and dances around ask yourself. You got to ask yourself. I mean, we created music around the words because just saying the words is important. The kinesthetics, hearing the words. So these kids, I had one girl come up and one day she just stood up and said, Mr. Brian, I just had an aha about my ahas, I died. I just died because that's a metacognition about insight. I mean, you know, I could say that to her, it wouldn't make any sense to say that to her, but I said, and I, what was that? I said, well, I realized I don't have any ahas when I'm with Jody, but I do with so and so, but I laugh a lot. I have a lot of lahahas with so and so. And I realized I stick around so and so because I think she's cooler. Unbelievable stuff that's that came out of the, that six months. That's and, actually uh,
1: really incredible. Reese and I talk quite a bit about. The capacity to be able to observe yourself to observe your own thinking observe your own feelings about your feelings you're thinking about your thinking <laughs> like that ability to to place yourself in that level of consciousness to observe yourself acting within yourself is really i think an undervalued skill perhaps because how we spend our time is way too distracted
2: yeah I think when you when you when you finally realize that you have something to do in life that's uniquely you yeah i think those things become more
0: important yeah um, and a person of middle age or whatever is not realizing their their potential but someone at a such a younger age you could literally be could you be just literally creating anything is possible at that you know essential stage of, of their creation or do you think that it's already programmed from that point what their life trajectory is gonna be, or if you get into it early enough, you can then with, you know, whatever you, you we want, you talked about corporates wanting to, you know, create these clones, you could just literally prescribe what, what their trajectory might look like. Whereas looking backwards from a, a middle-aged perspective, going, oh, I, I like this, I did it in this, I can go back and connect the dots. Whereas the, if you look at it from the other way around, you can literally just create your own uh, arc into it, whatever you, you see the human singularity is gonna be in, in that future. For, for that individual. And then, I don't know, playing God. <laughs>
2: with children, if that's the question, how do we guide them or how can we guide them now? Is that in there? Um,
1: it, if I might, yeah. it almost sounded like what's the difference in the direction? If you're starting with sort of older people and do you have to erase the dots and unravel stuff, get rid of the, fe- the fear and all of the layers of crap in front of themselves before you can then send them on their path. Starting with kids, is it easier to influence? Here's the next dot. There's the next dot.
2: Well, yeah, I thought, you know, kids obviously are open book. Their genes are waiting to be accessed and resonated to. Uh, obviously, you know, the eight boxes they enter in formal education do not have a thread that says, ask yourself what comes without effort? And that's the key, guys. Mm. With our children, as parents, we would look at the kids when we were younger, like for husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband, whatever we are. And we look at this five-year-old or three-year-old And they draw a metaphor and you go, honey, did you see that she just drew a metaphor? I mean, kids don't just draw metaphors. Okay. (laughs) Okay? The average kid. So, or, or the kid, uh, you know, opens up, closes something, takes something apart, puts it back together differently. And you go, honey, did you just see what, what Albert did over there? Wow. And the kid has no clue. They did it because it was effortless. Mm -hmm. So the problem with your Mm -hmm. gifts Is that you don't value them because they come without effort initially. Valuing self is inherently difficult unless you have forces around you, parents, whatever, that help you recognize the value of the things that come without effort.
1: Because only other people can go, wow, I can't do that. Do you realize how talented you are?
2: Right. But as a child, when you, when your parents, when I did the parenting stuff, I just said, just say aha out loud when your child does something innately. And they'll look at you weird, like, what's wrong with you? And what you'll say, well, you just had an aha moment. What's that? Well, you just did something without even thinking about it. And that's a gift. That's an innate disposition that you just demonstrated there. And the kid, over time, will start becoming meta, He'll become meta-aware. You have a meta-awareness. When they do something without effort, they're going to become aware that they're doing something of value for themselves. Now, the parents don't know this about themselves. This is a thing you can teach them, because in the process of teaching parent about child raising you're teaching the parent about themselves
1: yes amen we just did an episode last week yeah where reese and i were talking about emotional intelligence and parenting and i had shared an experience that i had had as a parent in recognizing something in my child which made me look at my mother completely different in that moment and i went oh holy crap (laughs) Uh, that changed everything of how I perceived it before, looked at it before, the potential of what it could have been before. And it it was really sort of one of those, I call them holy shit moments, but I can certainly call them aha moments.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Rice, you know, I look at, i for some reason I get vibes off people. That's how I read people. Um, We really should, maybe not today, but some other time talk about readiness. When you talk about how to interact with adults, you know, readiness is real. In in the fetus and the brain's sending signals down saying, grow a finger, grow a finger, grow a finger, grow a finger. And the the baby's finger says, no, I'm not there yet. So competence, the readiness via biological competence, let's say, or neuropsychological or emotional competence. You've worked with clients, you know, and so with some people say, listen, come back in a year, (laughs) because that's how far away you may be from hitting that point where you're ready to change. And you know, clients, for instance, that, you know, you shouldn't work with. And you you learn based on your gifts who you have the best chance to affect with the time you have on the planet so for me readiness with for change i've experienced i see the future of people because of what i see in their gifts what i've had to learn to do is back off and understand the timing of that evolutionary place to see if i'm the right person at this time or they need other experiences before i should be in their life i've had to learn to let go of a lot because i saw so much and some of us, you know, we're, our uniqueness is hypersensitivity and you have to learn how to shut down your, your radar.
1: I just had one of those moments this morning, a state of readiness moment. So potential client got back to me and said, organizationally, we're going to go in a different direction. And so... They describe more things, and then I inform my husband, like, this company is going to go in a different direction. He's like, are you disappointed? I'm like, no, they're not ready. They're clearly not ready. Otherwise, they would have said yes. And all of the reasons they told me why they're going in a different direction are the reasons why they're not ready. I can't force them to do things that they aren't comfortable with doing yet. So I'm not disappointed. Onward to the next client. that's right. right. It's
2: it's a waste of your lifetime, and there's nothing more important in evolutionary thinking about self-evolution and social evolution than lifetime
0: yeah so as we find ourselves in an ever aging population is there a life expectancy for this kind of work that you're doing you know for example we've talked about children we've talked about adults is there a point where what you're doing becomes irrelevant or is the potential always there if you have that growth mindset or whatever you want to call it to to unlock something do you feel that the work that you're doing has as much validity at that senior end of our body's lifetime um as it does at the essential oh absolutely
2: rise absolutely just look at the number of people over 60 that are getting their phds or going back to school and finally doing what they always wanted to do (laughs) i mean there's a huge shift in the population around the world of wiser older citizens finally being able to choose something that resonates
0: so is there a case, is there a sense that, you know, if if I'm 60 plus and I've had this kind of like, oh my God, I've wasted all this time. I didn't know who I was being. I've been living this life that wasn't true compared to someone who has no, at the other end of the scale, who has only has potential and only has, you know, future. Is that something that when you're working with these people at that older age, is it's how does that work in a kind of emotional intelligence kind of way? How do they, how do they compute that? How do they ratify all that lost time? You know, that there must be that innate yeah. thing. Of,
2: Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, you know what, you got to let go of that because the time is now. I mean, if you want to dive back into your history and say, oh, what a waste of lifetime I've been, well, then you're wasting time, right? If they truly ready, they're not even thinking about what they wasted. They're thinking about what they're going to do. I have a consulting arrangement right now with an amazing visionary who is uh, in the Central Valley of California. And we're working on a huge reforestation and regenerative project here. And he's 62. And he has got the curiosity of a 10 year old and he's always been this way, but he's a guy that if you shake his hand and you've got soft hands, he'll probably cut you with his calluses. He's mm-hmm. a, he's been a working man all his life. And this gentleman though, is just the sweetest love and he's gone through hell and he's gone through learning to get to this point. He's got this huge vision and I'm one of the few people that he's discovered that can get, I can get my arms around almost any visionary's vision in terms of complexity. You know, business, whether it doesn't matter what business it is, it's it's always business. You may have to learn a new language because everyone has a culture and they have a language, but it's all the same. Fundamentally, I've worn seven hats as an entrepreneur. I've done uh, 12 startups, three of my own, and I find that I'm good with seven hats. I'm great with only two of them. I had to learn when to take a hat off and, and give it to somebody and who not to give it to a <laughs> lot of learning there, boy. And I grew up with a mother and father that were entrepreneurs. What can I say about that? I mean, I didn't mention this earlier, but the only reason I'm alive is because my mother also invented this first special education curriculum in the United States in 1946. Had she not been my mother, <laughs> I would have probably done something really crazy with a little bit of hyperkinesis that I have. Right. When I was banging my head against the wall, guys, I went to my mom and I said, why isn't my work making any sense? Like, why aren't people noticing me? Huh. She said, and, well, what's what's what do you think's the problem? I said, Well, Mom, I think the problem's you. So, what do you mean me? I said, Did you do anything exceptional? Was there anything that you did like after college that was, you know, unique? Just, oh, not really. Said, well, there was there was this one thing I did building this curriculum for kids with probably mid to high level cognitive life skills, we call it today. Back then, kids were chained in closets, kids were shoved downstairs, they weren't allowed in public. Mm-hmm. I said, so mom, did you look for best practices? Did you do research? Oh yeah, I couldn't find anything. So I just kind of created it from scratch. I went, oh my God. So I'm wondering why I'm nuts, right?
1: Inherited nuttiness. Love it. I I want to bring us home here with, as our listeners are digesting all of these pieces and this exploration that potentially one of the things, and please correct me if I'm wrong and offer a different one, but one of the things that they can start doing straight away to allow them to enter into this world of their fullest potential is ask themselves the question, what comes to me without effort?
2: Yes, and that's the key question. What do I do without trying that I expect other people to do and wonder why they can't? Right.
1: Okay, people, you heard it here. That's the nugget. (laughs) Take that one (laughs) and run with it. And then in the comments of today's show, put down what you discovered. What is your thing that you do without effort? And you wonder why everyone else can't do it. Oh, thank you so much. Jay Bryan, it's been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And people are going to want to find your work and find out more about you. So how can they best get in touch with you?
2: Well, if you Google ecology of mind with the last name of Hennessy, like the cognac, if you're into micro farming, community development, one of my aberrative interests, you can find me googling stuff like that, uh, EcoMind, all that stuff related to that, and obviously LinkedIn. J. Period Brian Hennessy. But if you type "human singularity" as a hashtag, uh, you'll probably find me there. Are you
1: checking? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will I absolutely. Sure. Will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested in reading more. I find it just really fascinating. So thank you so much pleasure we close out our show with a rapid fire q a of five questions are you ready to run the gamut
2: oh yeah i'm never ready i hate improv go ahead okay perfect here (laughs) we go
1: number one which emotion catches you off guard most often
2: um wow pain from victimization
1: and what do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment
2: i breathe and then i act if i'm in a position where i need to
1: Hmm. What is next in your personal evolution?
2: Oh my God. You know, it's all about people. It's discovering, just really fine tuning what I do best and not getting caught up in doing stuff I know I can do really, really well, but I shouldn't do. So it's claiming the highest, fullest level of my interaction with others because I can do a lot of stuff. And in the life work, it's going to be really energizing the team and finding the greatest synergy with the right people to make this happen because it's a huge thing. Rise, I know you're. I know your mind is in there in mm-hmm. terms of the technology that we might create. I can't tell you exactly what we're gonna do with those a hot tracker, flow tracker, et cetera applications, but no, it's gonna go someplace. It's not just gonna be a mobile app.
1: Okay. Number four, when your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them?
2: Nothing. I sit with them until it's time to talk.
1: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for?
2: Oh, my God. You know, I hope I'm most hopeful for more of humanity to get through this time and realize if it's at all possible, because for some people, it's not. They're just situation is too Mm -hmm. dire for them to think beyond their own hell. But for those that can make the transition to use this time. To realize this is the time where I need to figure out my true self so that no matter what happens in the future, because we'll have other chaos in the future, right? I'll have this anchor that won't
0: change
1: what a way to end the conversation thank you so much for being with us today
0: yeah thank you so much i really enjoy the you know feeling out of my depth completely and loving every second of it so yeah i appreciate you uh, sharing just a little bit of your uh, your ingenuity and uh, yeah excited to see what you're going to do next thank you so much for sharing some of that with our listeners
1: thanks for listening to this episode of tnt
0: please share subscribe rate and review
1: And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com.
0: And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.